Hey, product people, welcome to the Product to Profit podcast. We're pulling back the curtain on what it's really like to scale a product-based business profitably and getting into the mindset of a seasoned buyer. I'm your coach, Kristen Fisher, a former corporate retail buyer with over 15 years of experience working for some major brands that you would definitely know, turned six-figure e-commerce store owner of my own gifting brand, Boku, and a retail strategy coach for product-based business owners, just like yourself. Inside this podcast, I have honest conversations about what's going on inside of my own business. And I'm also sharing insights to help you get inside the mindset of a buyer to start applying big retail strategies to your own small retail business. Let's get into today's episode. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. I am really excited. I have my friend Erin Alexander here today, and I was so fortunate enough to be on her podcast. I guess it would have been a couple months ago, and now I'm excited to have her on on here. So Erin is the creator of the Product Powerhouse. She helps product-based business owners show up online with confidence, which is just the best intro because you're just like getting right to the point. And I'm, this conversation is going to be so good. So she's the host of the Product Powerhouse podcast. She teaches online shop owners how to build, grow, and scale their online businesses through Shopify. So Erin, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you, Kristen. I am so excited to be here and chat with you again. Yay. I know. I We were saying right before we recorded, we were chatting a little bit and we were like, we're going to have to hold ourselves accountable because whenever I was on yours, we could have talked for hours. So... <laughs> Like try and keep us on track. Yes, we are long lost friends. <laughs> I know, long lost friends. Never met in person. That's like the beauty of social media. So, okay, so give everybody a little background about you and tell us about your business. Yeah. So again, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. I love your podcast. I'm excited with what you're doing. Um, so about me, I'm Erin Alexander. I have been running Product Powerhouse. Well, I've been running my own business for seven years. This iteration is maybe a little bit different because there's lots of pivots. But I realized a few years ago that there was a gap in the market for product-based business owners. All the marketing gurus, all the website people are talking about service-based business or teaching courses, and no one was talking to product-based business owners. And I was working with store owners and they were like, how do I do this? And how do I do this? And I didn't know the answer either because it's like buried information. So I set out to bring that information to light, like focus specifically on product-based business owners because it's different. It's different than selling courses. It's different than running a service and I have done them all. Like <laughs> I had an Etsy shop years ago. I have, you know, I've seen both sides of it. And so I just decided to completely go all in with helping product-based business owners. And that really means Shopify because that is like the leader in the industry for website design. And my background is in design. So it's kind of how I all got started in this world. I work with a lot of moms and women and business owners who like create something with their hands or something that they're really passionate about, or maybe they worked with a designer to develop whatever this beautiful thing is that they poured their heart and soul into. And they're trying to turn this business into something that can feed their family, provide support for their family, change their family's lifestyle. And it's really encouraging. And I am just so in love with helping women do that. Like it is my mission. I mean, I love that because it's like there is purpose in what you're doing. You're helping people take their art. And I know you don't just work with handmade business owners, but a lot of your clients are. And it's so, I don't know, I think it's so fulfilling to work with people 
more hands-on. And I I don't know that I've really shared this on the podcast before, but when I first left corporate, I thought that I was going to go down the path more of consulting for corporate retail. I did do a corporate retail consulting project and then a couple other smaller ones. And I didn't, it didn't feel right. It felt like I was just back in corporate retail. And when I started tapping into the coaching side where I was working more with people like us that are in the product-based business world, we're small small businesses trying to figure it out, I realized that it was so much more fulfilling. And so I love that that is like part of your your ethos, I guess, you know, and like your North Star of like, I'm working with women and helping them put food on the table. Like how powerful is that? Yeah. I love that part of it too, because I've gone through that transformation myself. When I started my business, I was pregnant with my son. I was sick all the time. We were in the middle of a career change for my husband and like, it was really, really hard. And you know, like I sold the appliances we weren't using <laughs> and the camera we didn't use and the iPad we didn't need to, to pay our bills. And now like it's completely turned around where, you know, I am providing the most, the, the bulk of our income for the fam- for our family. And it's really empowering, you know, especially I think for women, I come from a background of or childhood of like poverty and food stamps. And it's just, it's just incredible what we can do today with all these um, you know, like opportunities that are available to us. It really, it really is. We have the the power to really create our own future. And I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I get really hung up on the small things. And when I start to like remind myself of how much opportunity is out there in front of me, it gets me up out of the weeds. And I'm like, no, you can actually move the needle. You can actually do really big things with your business if you're not kind of like sucked down <laughs> into the small things. So can you tell me a little bit about how, so I know you've had some pivots, but in your this this current iteration of your business, how did you go from selling the things in your house to pay the bills to becoming the breadwinner essentially and really providing for your family? Like what was the big shift in that business? How did you do that? Yeah, I wish I could say it was like on this date in, you know, 2017. I wish there was like this pinpoint, but really what it is is that I just didn't give up. I mean, when I look back, I I hate it because like I took emails in the hospital with my son, but I felt like I didn't have a choice. And you know what? I would do it again if that meant that I would get to where I am today. And I think sometimes online we get shamed for working, but there's no shame in providing for your family and doing what it takes. I think that it's just that I didn't give up. There's so many times I wanted to burn it down. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I make six figures and I still look at job listings. You know, it's not ever like one thing. It's just like consistently showing up, being willing to get your feelings hurt, getting being willing to, um, you know, get back up. I have a saying right here on my desk. It says you are resilient. And that is just what I keep telling myself. I'm resilient. I can get through this. Yeah, it sucks sometimes. And and there is no moment when it just shifted. But I, I, I think the biggest thing is that I just didn't give up. Yeah, it's a consistency. And I think the online space right now, particularly with all these really big coaches, you know, and I feel like you probably know some of the ones that I'm talking about, but there are a lot of coaches out there that talk about if you just do this, this is the quick fix. If you just do this, this will take your business to the next level. You can work only, you know, eight hours a week and you can have, be a seven figure business owner, six figure, everyone's throwing out these big numbers. And what does that actually mean? Are you actually making money at the end of the day with that? Or is that even realistic? It's really at the end of the day, we have to put in the work and be consistent. And particularly as product-based business owners, because we're more hands-on that we're actually, we're trading 
physical product for a dollar <laughs> or whatever that is, you know, whatever the amount is. And so you have to really dig in and do the work. So I think that that's really um, inspiring and a, a really good reminder of what it takes to keep it going. So, okay. So let's shift gears and talk about Shopify. I love Shopify. I'm on Shopify. I am not a Shopify expert, but I've gotten, I've been on it for five years, so I'm learning. So let's talk about Shopify. What would you say are some of like the most common mistakes or things that you see whenever you start working with somebody on their Shopify site, or if they're starting from scratch and they build it themselves and they haven't consulted with you yet? (laughs) What are some common mistakes that you're like, these are a few things people can do to make sure their Shopify really stands out? Yeah. That is such a good question because there are a lot of mistakes and I'm not someone who like shames people for making mistakes either. Like I know you're doing the best you can. And so I will never, you'll never see me saying like, oh, you did a terrible job. I will always like give you props for what you have done and then maybe make suggestions for what could be better. The biggest thing I see people doing is that they choose a theme and they just plug their stuff into it. And I feel like that's the biggest detriment you can do to building your Shopify site. Like as far as like design goes, there's so many layers to Shopify, right? But when it comes to design, when you just pick a theme and you stuff your content into that theme, then your store looks like everybody else's. And there are people, I've been on conversations with people where they're like, I can tell a Shopify store like this. Like I know exactly because they all look exactly the same. And so what I teach people to do is choose a theme that has the functions you need Maybe it's close to the style you like and then delete everything and start with a blank screen because you don't need to stuff your content into those pre-laid out sections. You can create whatever sections you want. You can um, add different things. Like the, the way Shopify is built is like everything on your homepage is called a section and you can use that to really get creative with the theme. And you can also get creative within those sections by doing things like putting your images into a frame in Canva and then uploading the image into Shopify. You know, you can add backgrounds through CSS and there's just little things that you can do if you take the time to go through it. The other biggest mistake I see people making is just not filling out all the stuff. Like I will look at a site and it won't have like, it won't have policies or it won't have contact page information, or it doesn't have descriptions on their collections. And those things are there for a reason. Some of them are for like making your customers feel confident when they purchase, like with the policy. Some of it's for SEO. Like if you don't have a collection description, then Google doesn't know what your collection's about. So I always see lots of holes in people's websites where they just didn't know what to put. So they didn't put anything. (laughs) Yeah. Which is not the best use of your website. You're putting all this work into like possibly your your beautiful imagery or, you know, copy for the actual products themselves. But if Google doesn't understand how to get there, it won't matter. And also does legality things. Like you have to have certain things on your website to not get in trouble. (laughs) So you have to follow that. That totally makes sense. One of my biggest pet peeves actually is like when you go on YouTube, you'll see like build your Shopify store in 30 minutes. Or I even got an email for someone who was like, I built a Shopify store in two hours. And I'm just like, if it's only taking you two hours, you're not doing a good enough job. Yeah. Now it might take you two hours to get the framework set up, but it probably doesn't look great. Right. I could probably build a store, a very basic store in two hours because I've done hundreds of them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You can whip it out in your sleep probably. And it's just because I have a framework in my mind, but otherwise it should take you some time. You should spend some time like really planning it out, thinking about it, being strategic. Don't rush it. Well, I think even before 
you start working in Shopify, you should do a wireframe and just kind of understand the layout and where you want things to go. Because I, I don't know about you, but for me, and I'm not a designer. Okay. But for me, it's really hard to design and conceptualize at the same time. And so if you're conceptualizing up front, then your design can flow a little bit more naturally when you're in Shopify. Yes, I agree. I have a course DIY Shopify that teaches people how to go from a blank slate to a fully built Shopify store and look good like a designer. I give them all my design tricks. I have a whole module on finding the inspiration you want, planning out the sections you want, and finding the functions that you need in your store and also the functions that you don't realize you need before we dive into design and before we choose a theme because those things are the most important and the way it looks is secondary. Yeah. Okay. I love that. I'll put um I'll put the DIY Shopify link in the show notes so people can grab that because that's so helpful. I I wish that that existed. Whenever I launched my shop, I hired a designer out of the like when I first launched because I wanted my site to look professional because there is coming from corporate retail, I had a very clear understanding of consumer mindset and what people what gets people to convert. It's they have to feel like you are a legitimate business. Who cares that I'm running my business in my house? If my website looks amazing, I know that I'm going to deliver an amazing product. But if my website looks like I'm running my business from my house, people probably (laughs) won't trust me. So you got to like make it look as legitimate as you are. Can we go back to the CSS conversation? Because I I know that I had to Google about that whenever it first came out. So some people listening might not really know what that is. And I think that 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 alone can, I think, really make an impact on your site. So can you explain what CSS is in a little bit more detail and how to find it in Shopify? Because it's pretty easy to find. Yeah. So this is a recent update. It came out this year where we can now add CSS, which CSS is a type of code. It's called cascading style sheets, which really doesn't mean anything if you (laughs) aren't in that world, but it is a type of code that controls how things look. And every website has CSS. You just don't know about it. So anytime you're choosing a color or putting a background or placing an image, that's done through CSS. So what Shopify has done is now in the theme customizer, you can add CSS to individual sections. So you could have a section where you have like a row of your products and you can add a little bit of code to do fun things. Like you could add a background color. You could change the color of the font. You could um, add a picture in the background. There's some very simple things you can do with CSS, like I just covered, like backgrounds, changing your buttons, changing your fonts, that it's a matter of like copying and pasting a little bit of code, customizing it with your brand colors, and it makes your website feel totally unique. And it also helps with that consumer mindset you were talking about when they are shopping on your website. When your site is like all white, all background white, our brains think it's all one thing because it it looks like one long page. So when we when we do things like add backgrounds or change the layout, it helps signal to our brain, hey, I should stop and look at this. So they're instead of just scrolling quickly through it, they're looking at these as individual sections where they should take in that information. Yeah. And so now it's right inside the theme customizer. You can add it to individual sections. You can also add it to your theme in the theme settings. It's brand new. So it's maybe not as perfect as it should be or could be maybe down the line. I think it'll get better because it's pretty limited right now. You can also add CSS inside of your theme code, but this new option where it's now inside the theme customizer is just a really easy way to to make your site feel unique so that 
it doesn't look like everybody else's Shopify theme that's or so, Shopify site that's using the same theme as you. Yeah. I mean, because you can look, you can spot the Dawn theme. Everybody uses the Dawn theme. It's a great theme, but you have to make it feel like your own because it's like, otherwise it's just a copy paste. Like if 15 different jewelry brands have Dawn, like your competitors, let's say you've identified your top 15 competitors and you're all on Dawn and you're not changing it, you're all going to look like the same store. So you can all use Dawn and you can make it look unique to yours. Um, and I think another, like when I was looking for a new theme, so uh, the Boku website was relaunched essentially or upgraded to the 2.0, um, to a 2.0 theme. I can't talk in the summer of last year. So 2022. And when we were looking for a theme, I was trying really hard to not get hung up on what the theme examples looked like in Shopify. Like when I was searching for the themes, because that can really make you feel like that's the right one for you just because they put a like brand on the theme example. And so I ended up going with a food theme or a food example. <laughs> and it actually is a site that wasn't necessarily intended for e-commerce, but we made some changes to it because I just wanted it to feel different than the other gift box companies because I wanted it to just be, you know, unique to that. So it's it's important to not get hung up, I think, on what you see in the examples, you know, make it feel like it's your own. Yeah. I feel like I need to do an entire workshop on choosing a Shopify theme because that is my biggest it's like in my in my think tank here. That's the biggest um, thing I tell people is look for the functions you need. Like if you have a big catalog, maybe you need a sidebar. If you have a clothing brand, maybe you need a size chart. And yeah, we can add these things with apps, but a lot of times there's a theme out there that has that built in. Back in stock notifications, you, those are such a pain, but you could have them built in your theme and it's a lot easier. It's really important to spend time looking at the functions and forget about what brand are they you know, like what brand is it or what industry are they saying it's for? Because it really doesn't matter. You could, you can put a food brand, you can put a jewelry brand, you can put a soap brand. And as long as you take time to really think, I like to say, think within the walls of the box, like, because we're stuck in this theme, but how can we like press against those walls to make it our own? Then you can really come up with a creative theme. And I, for a long time, when I was designing doing more one-on-one -on -one work. I use the same thing for every store. And you can't tell because, you know, we would go in and add a little bit of CSS to change things. And we would add their brand fonts and their brand colors and their tones and things like that makes a huge difference. It really does. And I think with Shopify upgrading to 2.0, I mean, it has been a flipping game changer because it used to be like, oh, I have to make one tiny change. Now I need to email my designer. And I'm not saying that designers are obsolete because I think there's a time and a place to bring a designer in. When you're just starting and you don't have the budget, you can do it yourself and you can make some tweaks and you can take your DIY Shopify course and get it into a good place. When you're ready to level it up, maybe that's when you bring a designer in or you create the foundation and you bring a designer in to make it, take it to that next level. But it's if you just have a, the good bones and you kind of start with that, that can make at least get you looking like more of the brand you want to put forward versus just some random theme you threw up there. Yeah, absolutely. I loved the switch to Shopify 2.0. Previously, I was like coding in pages all the time and I then I didn't have to. But I do think it's important for a lot of small business owners to be able to make changes on their website. This is actually why I'm not offering custom design anymore. We do theme customizations where I'll 
take my process of just customizing a theme and I can probably do a little bit more than you can because I have built a lot of stores. I do know a little bit of code, but those fully customized stores are not upgradable. Like you had to rebuild them completely to get onto Shopify 2.0. And then you had to have a developer come back in and recode everything. And then once your theme comes out with new updates, you can't easily publish those new updates. So you have to redo it again and again and again. And so I just realized that it's not feasible and it's not smart for small business owners to need someone to have to recode their site every year or, you know, need someone to come in and make changes for them. Like if you want to be able to, you know, create a new listing or create a page, you should be able to do that. And that's one of the reasons why I'm so happy with Shopify 2.0 and also why I did stop offering custom code I ran into that issue with myself because I had a developer on my team who had built out my sales page on Shopify and I couldn't update it because he didn't code it the way that I thought it should be code. And I didn't realize because I didn't like we had worked together for two years. I, did, I wasn't checking his work anymore. And so I just realized like, oh, now I have to recode this page completely. And that doesn't make sense for a lot of business owners. You know, I don't want tech to be the thing that holds business owners back. Yes. So many of us are creatives and our zone of genius is the, well, I say R, I'm not, I'm not creating a product. Um, okay. So if you're listening and you create something, you create a handmade product, your zone of genius is your creative process and bringing to life your beautiful designs or, you know, you're good at something, but you're not good at tech. You're not good at coding. I don't want to learn how to code. To be honest with you, I do not want to learn how to code. So Shopify now having this 2.0 capabilities makes me feel empowered to be able to make quick changes and not completely blow up my site because I put the wrong... I don't know, something or other in the code. And I'm like, I don't know how to fix it. And then I have to pay somebody to do it. It's just such a game changer. So I think it just really has been so helpful. Can we talk about conversion and some tips? I mean, it's it's not just conversion. It's also just like your add to basket. Like what are some things that you think are quick tips to help people get from landing on your site to putting something in their cart and checking out? Do you have a couple of things that you consistently see that are like quick little wins that you can make on your site? Yeah, I think most of them are small tweaks. So like making sure that when people land on your site, that very first image at the top, that's what we call the hero image, is really well thought out. Like it should be a great image and a catchy headline with a button. You don't want a big paragraph. You don't need to say, welcome to my store. Like you want to capture their attention right away. Clarity is going to be the number one thing that is going to help people convert. So in, you don't have, you don't even have to make headings or your hero, like cute and creative, like be straight to the point and connect with them. Um, same, the same thing goes for like all copy on your homepage, your headings. You don't need to say featured products or featured collections. You need to say what the things are, you know, like best-selling notebooks, um, you know, customers, favorite gifts, whatever, like use words that describe your products. That's a big thing that I see missing. And I know that's not design related, but it all goes together because we need both the words and the images to capture our attention. If we just see a picture, it's not enough. And everyone out there is telling us, oh, everyone's visual. They are, but our brain still wants words <laughs> to connect things. Yeah, there's a there's a really good book, um, Donald Miller, Marketing Made Simple. And that book is so good. I mean, especially for building websites, but it he really talks about the importance of having clear call to actions and not having, um, you know, like sexy, fun, you know, 
creative marketing call to actions. Like you need to really tell people what they are to do instead of saying something obscure, even though it might be fun and like playful with your brand, you can use that in other ways, but your call to actions and your headlines need to literally tell people what it is because you're taking in all the creative things around that copy. So then that once they get to reading, it's like, okay, boom, this is what this is. Here's what I want you to do. And that's, I want you to buy something. <laughs> in our case. Well, and I always tell people like the homepage should be like a sample of what you offer enticing enough to get them to take the next step because we don't want them just hanging out on the homepage. Like they shouldn't just be sitting there. They should be doing the next thing. So whether that's looking at a collection, reading your about page, signing up for your emails, you know, all of those things take place on the homepage, but they're the next step. So what can you do on the homepage to get them to take that step? And that happens by using really compelling copy, great clear call to actions, nice photos that make them want the thing that they're seeing. And what about on the product pages? So once they get over to your product pages from a conversion or an add to basket perspective, what are some tips there on those pages to really make them convert? Oh, that's such a good question. I think it's it, it all boils down to great product photos. Like you need to have good product photos. You probably need to have several product photos. I just had a rant the other day where I was like, I wanted to buy this coloring book and it had a cute cover, but it didn't show me any examples of the inside pages. And so I did not buy it. Yeah. Cause you want to know what you're, when you're coloring, you want to know what you're going to be coloring. I mean, not even kidding. Like a few days before that I had purchased a coloring book for my daughter just at Walmart. Cause she saw it and wanted it. And it's literally the most basic drawings. And I'm like, I paid $8 for this. Like I could have drawn those, you know, like I want to see what's inside there. You know, it depends on your type of business, but you might need to show me the size. You might need to compare it to something else. You might need to have it styled. Um, if you're, if you're selling jewelry or clothing, you need to have it on people. Like there's so much you can do there. You can also now add videos, which I think is great, but you don't want to rely on video because not all of the population is going to watch the video. So you need to have both. Um, I think you need to have really good descriptions that actually describe your product, good titles that describe your product. I like my, I have a pet peeve of like what I call fluffy titles where it's like, oh, the rosy shirt. I'm like, what does that mean? Like, tell me what it is. Tell me it's a plaid button up. Yeah. Tell Google what it is. Tell Google what it is. So Google can put it in front of the person who actually wants the plaid button up, not the whatever cute name you gave it, which there is a time and a place for a cute name in the description. Yeah. Yeah. But also it's good for user experience because if I saw if I saw you wearing your plaid button up on, on Instagram and I went to your site, but I couldn't find it because it didn't say plaid button up anywhere, I wouldn't shop with you. If it was called like the Aaron, no one would... <laughs> one would find that. Yeah. No one knows what that means, right? Okay. So really good imagery videos where it makes sense. Good, clear product naming and copy and probably a really clear button. <laughs> yeah. A good button. Like make sure your contrast is good on your buttons. I had a, I had an audit with someone a couple of days ago where she had like light green buttons that were outlined instead of like a solid button. And I'm like, I can barely see it. So like make sure your buttons are visible. You can have product reviews on your product pages with Shopify 2.0. You can add stuff to your product pages, which I do think is great. Now, one of my favorite brands that has good um, product pages is Kizik and it's K I 
Z-I-K. And they're a shoe company, but they have just really great product pages where they, you know, they show video, they show people putting the shoes on because they have like a different way. You don't have to use your hands to put their shoes on. And, you know, they show what the materials are made of and they show how it's eco-friendly. And all of those things matter when we have a million options these days to buy anything. So just putting out the important stuff at the top, you're going to have the crisp, clear stuff direct to the point, and then you can go down the page and really sell the product, show the benefits, show the features, and you can you can just really get into detail with it now on Shopify 2.0. Well, if you think about it, yeah, if, you're, if you think about it, if someone lands on your site, they're coming in from Google or they're coming in from Pinterest or some other random place, and they land on that one product page and they know nothing about you, if there is nothing on there telling them about your brand or your brand ethos or anything, they might just see a one picture or two pictures and quickly read the copy and be like, yeah, this isn't for me and pop off. But if they say, or if you, if they land on there and you're saying to them, oh, we care about sustainability or we give back or, hey, this is what makes us different. What makes our product better? That might let them stay on there a little bit longer. And then if you could suggest other like items, if maybe that's not the right one, they could find something else and stay on your site. Think of those product pages like landing pages. I think that that does move the needle too. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk. We only have a couple minutes left. So I want to talk about the summit. So Aaron is, I think you're like one of the only people doing summits for product-based businesses which I just love. I don't know. I wanted to say that, but I was like, it's unconfirmed. So I'm not sure. (laughs) But there are not many, going back to the top of the episode, there are not very many resources, coaches, or just, I don't know. That's it. I guess resources and coaches for product-based business owners. There are, it's becoming more and more. I think there is such a need for it. So I'm so excited about all of the development. I think even just in the last year of people really recognizing that need. So your summit that you're putting on is the second one and it's actually happening this week. So if you're listening to this live, it's happening on April 18th. So can you tell me a little bit about the summit and what people are going to learn from that? Cause it is packed with great speakers and content. Yeah, I'm so excited. This is the second Product Powerhouse Summit. The last one had a different name, but same idea. It's a three-day free online virtual summit for product-based business owners. So I've gathered up 15, 14 if you don't count me, speakers who are talking about things that are specific to product-based businesses. So we have, let's see, we have email marketing from an e-commerce specialist. Like she's built and sold multiple e-commerce businesses. You're coming on to talk about assortment and how your assortment affects your profit, which I think is so important. People don't even know what that means. Uh, (laughs) I've heard great feedback that people are excited about my presentation and I'm teaching people how to you know, diversify your income streams. Like if you are getting a lot of sales on Etsy, how do you move those customers over to your website? We have someone talking about how to create DIY graphics on Canva that don't look DIY. We have someone talking about how branding affects your bottom line and your confidence to show up, which is a big piece of the puzzle. But what is really important to me is that everyone that is speaking is geared towards product selling and every presentation is for product sellers. It's not like we're talking to course creators and telling you to tweak it. No, we created this for you as a product seller and every presentation has action steps. So at the end of a presentation, you have a little checklist of things you can do 
right away or take action on to get results so that you're not just learning and not implementing which is like my biggest reason why I, I don't usually participate in summits because I will just watch them all and never do anything. And so I wanted to create something that is specific for product-based business, or business owners and actionable. And so that's what it is. And then it's happening three days, April 18th, 19th, 20th. And then we do have a bonus day on the 21st where we're doing Q&A panels with our speakers, which I think is going to be really fun. And that's for our VIP pass holders. So the event is free. The videos will be up for 24 hours. But if you want lifetime access, and some other fun goodies. You can get our um, Power Pass, which gives you lifetime access and the workbook and what else? A podcast feed. So you could just listen on the go instead of having to stop and watch a video, which is another like thing I won't do. <laughs> the VIP Pass um, includes all of that. Plus, we have the speakers have given incredible bonuses like there's courses, there's membership access. There's a lot of really cool things. Plus, then we'll have those Q&A sessions. I'm really, really excited about it. I think it's funny because the last event like blew my mind and this one's somehow topping it. And I don't know how that happens. <laughs> I think it's because you learned and you've probably fine tuned it and you know, it's just, it's going to keep getting better and better. So I'm so honored to be a part of it. I'm going to link in the show notes um, so you can grab your free ticket or you can upgrade to the power pass. If you're listening to this into the week and you maybe miss the first day, you can still get access throughout the week. And if you are well past April 18th, 2023, and you're listening back on this, there will be a link in there too. So you can get future summit wait lists or um, other resources from Aaron. I'll put a bunch of links in there so you can find Aaron. <laughs> yeah. And we will be so excited to see you there. Oh, I'm excited. So, okay. So I have one last question for you and then I will let you go for the day. But I would just love to talk about your entrepreneurial journey because I know you've had a lot of iterations. So what would you say would be a one big challenge or a mistake that happened at some point throughout your career so far that actually turned into a lesson or just helped you grow as a business owner or grow your business itself? That is such a good question. I actually kind of have this philosophy that everything is a learning lesson. So even when I have failed, you know, I still get sad. I still get upset. I still cry. <laughs> then I can turn it around and see the lessons in it. But I do have like one thing where I realized, oh, so a few years ago, I started coaching in a community of of product sellers. It's funny because once I got into that community and people started listening to me, I was like, why was I so unconfident before? You know, like, it's like I, I was looking for validation from someone else when I still knew all the same information. I still had the same like ideas. I was still presenting the same concepts as before I got that validation. And if I had just believed in myself, then I probably would have been further along at that point instead of looking for outside validation. So I think that searching for internal validation is was a big lesson for me and being okay with like that internal confidence. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I feel like so many of us, myself included, were constantly comparing ourselves to others or, you know, even people that are in like a competitor that are further along in, in their business. Like you compare yourself to that level of success or you just don't, you feel like you need those extra sales to make you feel like you're actually, you know, connecting or creating a brand that people really want when really if you just stay focused and kind of in your lane and feel confident, move the needle in your business. I feel like that's such a good, such a good nugget. I'm going to go back and listen to the, listen to this and write that down because I feel like I need to 
to remember that. <laughs> yeah, I was recently talking to um, my friend and brand designer because I'm going, I want to update my brand a little bit. And she was asking me about competitors. And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I really don't pay attention to them. Like, I don't think about it. She's like, how much do they price their stuff at? I'm like, I have no idea because I have realized that it doesn't matter what they're doing there's still people who like me. And sometimes I'm like, I don't know why they like me, but they do. <laughs> oh, it's because you're, you're, you're so honest when you show up online. You are yourself when you show up online. You're trying to be somebody else. It's like there is such a fine line. It's like you need, I think for product businesses specifically, less in the service industry maybe, but for product businesses, you need to understand what's going on competitively with pricing so that you your consumer isn't like you're actually charging enough and people are paying you what you deserve or you're not wildly off because your sales could, you know, your sales could be low because you're like way overpriced. Like there's a fine line. But when you're focused too much on what other people do are doing, then that's not good either. But I feel like for what you're doing, it's so amazing that you're just like, this is what I'm doing. This is my value. This is, this is what I bring to you. And I'm confident with it. Like, that's awesome. You need to bottle that up and sell that in a course. I was approached by a, um, an app developer not too long ago that their whole app is like watching other people's sites and telling you how many sales they're getting a day and how many. And I was like, I don't think that this is healthy for the types of business owners that I'm working with. You know, there is definitely a fine line. You do need to be priced competitively, but you don't have to be comparing yourself and making like, you know, it's like the gas stations when one goes up at one cent, the next one goes up two cents, you know, like they're like battling. That's not necessary. You know, maybe you need to do that market research every once in a while, but sitting there watching your competitors daily sales is not helpful. No, that's not healthy. That actually, I think then you make poor decisions in your own business because you're comparing yourself instead of looking at your own data and your own customers and what they are looking at you for, because they're shopping from you, coming to you and shopping from you because they like you or they like your product or both. And you need to kind of just own your business. And that's a perfect example of gas stations competing over the pennies. Like that's not a good use of your time. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I will not be looking up that app. I'm not linking that app in the show notes because that sounds like bad advice. <laughs> I don't even remember what it was called. So we're good. <laughs> I was just like, um, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a pass for me, but thank you. So, okay. Well, I appreciate your time and all your insights and I'm super excited for the summit. So I will be linking that in the show notes. Everybody needs to come and find you. So tell everybody how they can find you because you are just a great follow. Yeah, probably the best place. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably like other podcasts. So you can find me at the Product Powerhouse podcast if you just search for that in your favorite app or online. My website is productpowerhouse.co and on Instagram, it's product.powerhouse. But if you type power, product powerhouse, you'll find me too. Okay. All right. Perfect. Everything will be linked. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. All right. That's all I've got for you today. I am so glad that you're here. If you are loving the show, I would be beyond grateful if you would just take a minute to rate and review this podcast just to help spread the word. Now there's something in it for you too, as a little thank you. If you leave a review, share a screenshot or just share the show to your stories and tag me at product to profit coach on Instagram. You'll be entered to win my new monthly giveaway where you'd win a hot seat coaching call with me. You'd have the option to record it live on this podcast, which not only would be so much fun, but would also give your amazing brand some visibility and you a quick win. So thank you again for tuning in. I hope that you absolutely crush your sales this week.